Welcome to Momentum Church. This morning, what, what I'd like to be able to share with you is uh, one of my greatest strengths and greatest weaknesses. Do you, do you all understand that sometimes your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness at times? Yeah, some of y'all agree with that too much. All um, right, but for me, one of my greatest strengths uh, is that whenever I see something that I want to get done, I just go and do it. Like, I just, I figure out whatever the system is, whatever the process is that I'm supposed to work through, and then I'm just like, let's just make it happen. Like, what, what are we waiting around for? Um, I don't care about, like, if we hurt somebody's feelings to get this done, let's just go do it, right? <laughs> Uh, well, that can also be my greatest weakness, you know, and um, you know, th- this mindset is actually how I ended up with my wife, um, believe it or not. Um, you, you have a right to laugh. Uh, so here's the thing. I was 20 years old. Uh, I was volunteering at a very large church out in Paulding County uh, in the middle school department, and my uh, now wife uh, was as well. She was a small group leader. I was the DJ. Surprise, surprise. Um, I was mixing it up on the ones and twos. Uh, and that's for all of you house nerds out there. Um, so anyway, yeah, so th- we were out there, we were serving, but I also had a small group, and um, I, I, was, I was meeting with my uh, middle school boys small group, and they were talking about some girl that they were all excited about that just started coming to youth, and she, they were like, oh, she's hot, and all of this stuff, and then Hannah came walking in, and uh, she asked some question and walked out. I was like, no, boys, now she's hot. Well, then a couple of weeks later, March 17th, we had our first date, and I come back to church, and like in all churches, word travels fast, and my small group boys thought I was the biggest hero of their lives. (laughs) They're like, you said she was hot, and then you went and got her, and I was like, darn right, that's exactly what I did. So we started dating March 17th, 10 weeks later, we got engaged. Um, I... uh, I, I, I took, I'll never forget this, I took my, and this is where it becomes my greatest weakness. Um, so I took my mother-in-law, my now mother-in-law, out um, for dinner, and uh, her dad lived up in Ohio, her mom was down here, so I, I asked for uh, her mom's blessing for me to uh, ask for Hannah to be my wife. So I took her out to dinner, um, and I don't know, it was midway through dinner, she's asking me all these deep, piercing questions, I don't remember any of them. Um, deep piercing questions um, about how I'm going to provide for her. And I'm like, listen, lady, I'm 20 years old. I am arrogant and have no life. Um, and I'm just here for the moment. Like, I just know that I want to marry Hannah. And that's all that I really know. And she's like, look, you don't seem very nervous by my questions. Like, what if I say no and I don't give you my blessing? Here was my, this is literally my response to her. And I regret it every day of my life. I said, Ma'am, if you say no, I'm going to give you one more chance, and then I'm going to marry her anyway. (laughs) This just became uh, a marriage seminar. If you're looking to get married, that is not how you build a relationship with your future (laughs) mother-in-law. Honest to God, that's what my response was. If you say no, I'll give you one more chance, and then I'm going to marry her anyway. And praise God, 16 years later, we've had a great marriage. Uh, Well, you know, at least for probably 14 of those years. Um, 
I, it, it's been incredible. Now I have a wonderful relationship with my mother-in-law, but I certainly didn't start out well. Um, you know, there, there's, there, there, there's a certain system that you're supposed to work through, right, if you want something. And, but we got to be honest with ourselves. Like, what do we actually want in life? Because we say we want a lot of things, but in reality, if we really wanted it, we'd just go get it. I mean, like, that's just kind of how everybody works, maybe at different levels, maybe at different aggression levels, right? I had to talk with my uh, 12-year-old baseball team this week, and I asked them a question. I said, you guys all say you want to win. I said, but I want you to ask yourself an honest question. Be honest with yourself. Do you want to win, or do you just not want to lose? Because there's a difference, right? If you don't want to lose, it, it's like, well, I'll try to make the play, but if I, if I don't, it's not the end of the world, right? I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to go up and swing the bat like I hope I don't strike out, okay? But if you want to win, you're putting in extra time and effort. You're putting time and effort in on the field and off the field. You're going out and you're saying, that ball's coming my way. If I don't stop it, it is the end of this game, right? Like that, it, that responsibility is on me. And so you, you put forth that extra something into it because you want it. You want the win. It's not that you just don't want to lose. But I think that we do this in a lot of different areas of our lives, uh, lots of different areas of our lives, right? I, 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 y'all know that I enjoy working out. We've got lots of workout buddies here. Um, and I, I've been saying for at least the past 20 years, I want a six-pack. Got to tell you, for the past 20 years, I ain't had no six-pack. I, because I don't want it, I don't really want it that bad. I just don't. Like, it sounds nice, but, you know, ice cream sounds better. I really want ice cream. I don't really want a six-pack. Right? Somebody amen to that. Thank you for bringing the energy this morning. <laughs> maybe for you, it's, maybe for you, you're single in here and you're like, I really want a girlfriend right? Well, if you did, you would have taken a shower this morning. <laughs> if we're being honest, you know, you really want to sleep in. You don't really want a girlfriend. You don't want to put the time and effort into that, right? Maybe for you, it's a job uh, and you're like, I, I want to make more money. I, I, want, I want a better job that pays more money. No, you, you don't want to be uh, uh, living paycheck to paycheck, but at the same time, you don't really want to put in the extra work that it takes to get the better job. Uh, stepping on little toes. Right? Because that's what it is, right? If you're honest with yourself, you can kind of figure out, what do I really want? Because your actions will d determine what you really want in life. You know what I'm saying? Um, here, here's, let, let's, go, let's go transition into the spiritual, okay? Because this is one... This is one of those that, for me, it's one of the hardest lessons I've learned, and, and I learned it recently, okay? Lots of Christians do this. We say, I want to experience the presence of God in my life. Do you want to experience the presence of God on your life, or do you want God to just not feel like he's too far off? Reality, okay, if we're being honest with ourselves, because this is, this is the question I had to ask myself. 
recently, all right, in the last two months, I had to, I had to ask myself this because I felt like, there, man, God, I just don't know where you're at, and I need God right now. I, I, I was, in, I was in, a, in a situation where I'm like, God, I need you, and this is like a long, long situation where I've, I need God's presence on my life. I need him to show up in a, in a really miraculous way. Like, I need to hear his voice. I need to know that I have his anointing, his presence on my life. And I was like, I really want the presence of God on my life. But if I'm being honest, what I really wanted was God just to not feel like he was too far off. Based on the actions in my life. And that's where you got to be honest with yourself. If you're not seeing the spiritual or physical results, like, look, I don't care if you're a Christian in here right now or not, okay? This will be just as much self-help for you as it will for all the Christians in the room. If you are not getting the results in life that you want, you need to ask yourself if you really want those results. Because odds are, you probably don't. If you wanted something for real, you figure out how to do it. And if you say that you want God's presence on your life, you figure out how to do it. Because it's really not that complicated. We like to overcomplicate spirituality like we do. Um, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is that it's really not that complicated. I want to start with a little bit of groundwork, though, because a lot of times what people say, let's go, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 27. If you want to go there in your Bible, it's not going to be on the screen. So open up your Bible, open up your phone. Don't open up text messages. Open up your Bible app on your phone, okay? We're going to go to Genesis chapter 27. <clears throat> and, and we have to be honest, right, and, and say that, like, a lot of times, we try to over-spiritualize or whatever, um, and, and, and we like for spirituality to be handed to us for free, because salvation was a free gift from God. So should everything else in the spiritual world be given to us for free. Honestly, for most people in this room, that, while you may not have said it that bluntly, honestly, that's probably what we're thinking, okay? That's probably what we're thinking. Well, I mean... I shouldn't have to work that hard to get God's presence in my life. You know, salvation was free. Everything else in the spiritual walk that I have should be free as well. Like, God should just know I'm dealing with stuff and come visit me, All right? Eh, that's kind of how we think. Okay, but let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 27. I love this story. I, I, I think I preached it a, a few years ago. Genesis chapter 27. This is Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob has just stolen Esau's blessing. Jacob just stole Esau's blessing. Uh, let's go to verse 38. And so Jacob stole the blessing from Esau uh, while Esau was away. And Isaac, his dad, uh, has no idea what has happened until Esau enters the room for real this time. Now Esau has figured out. Jacob stole it. Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O oh my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Man, this guy's devastated. He is absolutely devastated that everything that he has worked for essentially in his family is now gone. All of the blessing he has been expecting his entire life to walk into, all of the inheritance he was supposed to have, gone. Okay? Can you imagine for a minute if your parents were wealthy and they pass away, and you have been, like, not, not morbidly expecting this inheritance, but you've been expecting this inheritance for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you realize in an instant, somebody stole it from you. That's where he's at. 
Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Nah, dog. He didn't really say that. That's not in Scripture. Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. Here's what's interesting, okay? So Esau is like, Dad, don't you have anything that you can bless me with? Do you have anything left that you can give to me? Isaac doesn't say no. He does not say no. Okay? That's important as you read through this. He doesn't say no. Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and your brother, the one who stole everything from you, you shall serve. That doesn't sound like a blessing to me. Here comes the blessing. Here comes the blessing. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. I heard a pastor teach on this one time. I thought it was just, I'd never read it before like that. I'd never seen that before. It's really interesting, right? He's asking for a blessing and his dad says, I do have a blessing for you. Everything that you're wanting, everything that you were expecting, you're going to miss out on until you're restless, until you're tired of it, until you're tired of living the way that you've been living. Because you want the blessing. You say that you want the blessing from me, but if you really wanted the blessing like you really wanted your birthright, you, you, you wouldn't have sold it for a cup of stew. That's previous in the story. Because Esau also wanted the birthright, but if he's being honest, he wanted the cup of soup more than he wanted his birthright. I don't know what he wanted more in this situation, but I think Isaac... This is speculation. 100% I'm speculating. But I think Isaac also recognizes this is an opportunity for Esau. It's an opportunity for Esau to learn a little bit of a lesson here and understand the blessing is not just given from somebody else just for being a good person. That's not what it is. The blessing comes when you're willing to go and take it. And I'm not saying that Jacob should have stolen the blessing. I don't, I don't want you to misread that. I'm not saying we need to go out and steal, kill, and destroy because that's what the enemy does. That's not what we do. But at the same time, I think that what Isaac is saying to Esau is he's saying, look, you've got to get past this idea that something was taken from you and realize if you really want it, you can still have it. If you really want the blessing, go and get it. You see, you're going to live in a bad place for a while because you're not willing to get the blessing that you're supposed to have. However, when you become restless, you will break his yoke from your neck. Let's go to chapter 33. And I love this because we don't always get to follow up on on these different guys through Scripture uh, to find out exactly how everything turns out later. Chapter 33 of Genesis So Jacob, this is several years later, several years later, Jacob sees Esau coming towards him way off in the distance. He recognizes him. And Jacob is absolutely terrified of what's about to happen. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck. I'm in verse four, by the way, and kissed him and they wept. He lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, who are these with you? So, he, so Jacob said, 
the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids came near with their children, and they bowed down. Leah likewise came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph came near with Rachel, and they bowed down. And he said, what do you mean by all this company which I have met? And he said, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Right? This, is, this is Jacob saying this to Esau. But Esau said, check this out, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. That doesn't sound like somebody who was cursed earlier on, just a few chapters earlier. It sounds to me like somebody who's walking in blessing. It says earlier in that chapter that Esau was seen coming with 400 men. He had families. He had servants. He had plenty. See, Esau figured it out. He figured out what the blessing was from his dad. And it was, if you want to be blessed, then you've got to be restless enough to really want it. And when you really want it, when you're honest enough with yourself, you'll find the blessing that you've been looking for. But you've got to be honest about what you really want in this life. Spiritually, we have to be really honest with ourselves and figure out what do we actually want in this life. For me, um, it was a couple of months ago, um, and uh, my family and I, we were experiencing some, some hard times. Uh, and yeah, does anybody, like whenever you go into uh, like hard time mode, you try to busy yourself, does anybody else do that? Like you try to stay busy? Because you don't want to think about what's going on. Anybody try to stay busy? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I did. Um, I was like, man, I, this is way too stressful. I need to just keep busy. And so you fill your, your calendar. Thankfully, my, my calendar, I say thankfully, but it's not really a great thing. My calendar was already packed with stuff. Um, and so I just left it packed. Um, and then, you know what? Because it's so packed, I'm extra tired. Um, so now I, I can't get up as early as what I was getting up to spend any time with God because, well, God would want me to rest so that I could handle the next day really well, right? You see how this kind of down spirals quickly for us? And a few weeks in, I don't know, probably close to a month in, dealing with the stress, I was like, oh, God, like, I don't understand where you're at. Why am I not hearing your voice? God, have you just left me out here to die? Like, have you just left my family? Because I know that I've experienced stressful times like this before, and, and I know that I heard your voice very clearly. I saw crazy signs and wonders. I, I've, I've seen miracles happen. Um, I, I, I prayed and like just miraculous stuff all around me at all times, not just from me, from like people that I don't even know coming up and giving prophetic words and all of this stuff and the lights going out because the Lord just showed up. <laughs> and it's an awkward transition. But that's where I was at. I was like, God, have you forgotten me? You know what? I wasn't planning on sharing this. Let's, let's go to Hebrews. 
Hebrews in the New Testament. Hmm. This was one that spoke to me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 15. I think this was, I think this was in uh, Pastor Corey's message. Um, this spoke to me, uh, and it was funny because we were, we were talking about our sermons, and, and we were both in Hebrews kind of at the same time, which was neat. Uh, chapter 4, verse 14, uh, verse four, 15, I'm sorry. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let me, I just want to unpack that for a second with you. We do not have a high priest who cannot... Uh, so he's talking about Jesus right here. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. I had to get to this point of restlessness in my relationship with God. And I had to, I had to ask myself, what do I actually believe here? Do I believe that, that God um, maybe doesn't answer our prayers? Maybe, maybe that's why I haven't been hearing God's voice. Maybe he does bail out of situations and, and just leave us on our own to see if we're going to sink or swim. You know, maybe, maybe, that's what, maybe that's what it is. You know, and I, 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 I tried to put the reasoning I wasn't experiencing God all on God. You ever done that before? I, I tried to take all of the reasons why I wasn't hearing God's voice, why I wasn't experiencing his presence, why I wasn't seeing the signs, wonders, and miracles that I have seen in the past. I put it all on God. And then I came across this verse. It says that we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. Like, and, and I was telling Corey this, Pastor Corey this, and, and he was with me in the middle of kind of that situation. And, and, and I showed him this, this verse, and he said, I remember Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he didn't forsake him. Right? That was, that was in the middle of, of Jesus' most human moment on this earth. And it, it registered in my head that, you know what? Maybe God isn't the problem. Maybe it's me. And that was the harsh reality I had to face. It's so easy to just push the blame of the situation onto God and say, God, why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you speaking right now? And, and then I'm reminded of the, the, the guys as they walk in Luke 24, uh, to the, uh, they're on the road to Emmaus, right? I don't know if you remember that passage of scripture, but, but um, they're, they're walking, uh, the two disciples, and Jesus shows up and they don't recognize him. And, and, and they walk together all these miles and talk with each other the whole time, and they don't recognize that it's Jesus until it's time for Jesus to leave. And then they go, oh, God. Jesus was right here with us the whole time, and we didn't know it. We knew something was there, but we didn't know it, that it was him. 
How many times, how many times is it that, that maybe we're in the middle of a really bad situation and we've cast all this blame onto God for whatever situation that we're in, wherever we're not hearing from him, whatever we're expecting him to do that he's not doing, but maybe, just maybe, he's been beside us the whole time talking with us and we just haven't recognized that it was him because we're so worried about ourselves that we're not worried about the relationship between us. And I had to come to a realization in my life. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. A realization in my life. I heard this passage uh, recently, and I was like, ah, dang it, that's me. You ever, you ever hear somebody preach, and you're like, get off me. Yeah, that was what happened here. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 14 When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, it's a capital H, that's Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered to him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they couldn't do it. This is, these are the people that Jesus entrusted. I don't know if you remember earlier on in Scripture, Jesus gives the charge to all of his disciples and says, you go heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cast out demons, freely you have received, so freely give, right? They've been already given the the power and authority necessary to go and do what this guy has brought the son to them to do, but they couldn't do it. And this is the reality we have to face. This was the reality I had to face. And Jesus answered them, verse 19, and said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsions, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth, and he asked his father, how long has has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It's been a long time we've been dealing with this. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. And what's interesting is, if you go to Matthew, there's a verse that isn't found in early manuscripts, but it is found in some of them. And it says, This one comes out only by prayer and fasting. Okay? At bare minimum, if we just hold on to Mark 9, and he says, this one only comes out by prayer, Jesus didn't pray. He commanded the demon to come out. He just, he looked at it, commanded it, right? We, we have no record where Jesus 
says some sort of prayer to God. He just commands it and it comes out. Okay? If we go to prayer and fasting, well, he certainly didn't have time to fast in that short of amount of the time. Scholarly deduction says that what he's saying is this comes down to your daily prayer life. This comes down to your commitment to, to the relationship that you have with the Father. You haven't put in the time and work. You say you want to cast out demons, but you haven't put in the work. You say you want to, to raise the dead and heal the sick. You haven't put in the work yet. You want to experience God's presence on your life? You got to ask yourself, do I really want to experience that? Because if I do want to experience the supernatural power of God, you haven't put in the work yet. At least not all of you. I know for me in my situation, I had to be really honest with myself. And where I wanted to say, God, you left me out on a limb. The reality is, is what do I believe? And if I believe that God is the God of all creation, that he does heal the sick, that he does raise the dead, that he is ever present in our lives, that he is speaking to us actively and looking for a continuous daily relationship. If I believe that God put us here on this earth, sent Jesus to die on the cross, to resurrect, to bring us back into communication with him, then I also believe that he is not going to leave me or forsake me. He is not going to stop communicating communication with me. He's not going to remove his presence from me. Perhaps that if I believe all of that, then I believe that I'm actually the one that hasn't put in the work. And so I started figuring out, God, whenever I was experiencing your presence, what was I doing? And I went back to that. I said, you know what? Hmm. I need a little bit more time in my mornings. I need to go back. For me, for me, it was, it was going back to reading my Bible consistently and meditating on my Bible. And, and, and it's a meditative prayer. It's, it's, it's my interaction with God. It was, it was a time where I would take Scripture and, and I would hang on to it and I would pray about it and I would sit there with God and look for answers from Him. That was my time in the morning. It was going back to listening to podcasts as I would drive into work. I found myself so busy trying to call all these different people on my way to and from work. I didn't want to be alone with my own thoughts. God dang it. I haven't said that out loud in just... Until just then. I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts. And as a result, I removed God in the process. Because I needed to be busy. And I stopped looking for the blessing that He had waiting for me, the blessing of His presence. And he said, man, I'm glad you're back. I've just been waiting for you to be restless enough to come find me. Because I've been here. I've been waiting for you. You know, I've been here. I've been waiting for you. 
I've been trying to talk with you. You just haven't wanted to talk. And there's still deeper levels of his presence that I, I'm trying to figure out, honestly, what kind of level of commitment am I game for? Right? Because you can reach different levels of God's presence in your life. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm back to where I was. Now, help show me how deep the rabbit hole goes with you. What am I willing to give up? Do I want your presence more than I want food one day? It's called fasting. If you've never done it before, I'm going to give you something very practical. If you've never done it before, you eat three meals a day, skip one of them. You're not just skipping it, but you're going to, you're going to engage with God and you're going to say, all right, Lord, I'm giving this up, not just because I'm going to work and forget about food, but I'm giving this up specifically because I want to engage with you at a different level. If you've never done it before, and, or, or, or if you, you've done it, you've, you've skipped a meal, let's see how deep the rabbit go, the hole goes, right? Skip a couple of meals. Fast. One full day. If you're not used to praying, sit down and pray. Just start out with a verse that you find in Psalms. Man, Psalms is a great place to find something good. Just find something good about God. Psalms says a lot of good stuff about God. Find that one verse and just read it over and over and over and over again and then pray. Thank God for whatever it's saying to you and sit there with it. If you've been busy... I want to challenge you to clear something off of your schedule and don't fill it with anything except time with God. You don't have to go like all in. I'm going to fast 40 days now. I've never done that before. I'm going to fast 40 days. I'm going to read the entire book. I'm going to read the entire Bible in one day, every day for the next 30 years. Um, and, and I'm going to pray 40 hours um, a week. And you don't have to do all of that, right? Look, start with wherever you're at. Whatever, just be honest with yourself. But those words that we sang earlier, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, if we don't keep that stuff in front of us, it's easy to let life take over. It's easy to let stress take over. It's easy to let tragedy take over. Because if you don't know, we live in a pretty dark world. And we need his presence on our lives. We need it. It's just a matter of how restless will you have to get before you start pursuing it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today, Lord. God, I, I thank you for the hearts that you just unlocked. Thank you for your presence, God. Lord, I pray that we get restless. I pray that we get restless in here, God. Not restless for evil, but restless for righteousness, God. Restless for your presence, Lord.
Let us pursue the blessing of you and everything that you are in our lives, God. We love you so much, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.